following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. Now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Thank you, this is Cabinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me is mainly always is Chicago's geek, king of geeks, Elliot Serrano. How are you, Elliot? I uh, can't believe you actually let me be on the show today. I'm going to try to keep myself together. I'm going to try. Especially after the last time this guest was on. Well, I had, I think I had a Freudian slip because I almost called you Chicago's geek of geeks. That'll work. That'll work. That would work too. That's like geek. Geek is Latin for king, isn't it? I believe it's you know it's uh, you know words are interchangeable. Oh, so so you're Jesus now because you're the king of kings. King of kings. And now returning to the show, (laughs) you've already heard him. A good friend of the show. I love to tell this story all the time, but we met in uh, advertising at Ogilvy. Uh, when we were both coming out of comics, I was coming out of indies, which didn't pay my rent, and uh, Dan was coming out of Marvel, which he is back with a vengeance. So there's so much to talk about. Uh, he had he had a nice sojourn in advertising, which I never left. And now he's got multiple projects going on. And I thought it would be a dishonor to not have him back to talk about it. But Dan Chichester is here. Hi, Dan. John, Elliot, thank you guys for having me on. I, I am still in advertising. I'm still doing my marketing. Let's, let's make sure that that continues to you know, pay the bills and, and do its stuff. But yeah, other things have uh, popped up and uh, that's good. Just a more more varied plate and more plates to keep spinning in the air. Yeah, and uh, you have a Kickstarter, which we want to get to, but uh, first the yes. news, which I, uh, I know we're all very excited about, is that you are back at Marvel. You are back writing Daredevil, which uh, I know you did a long run in the 90s. Um, yep. Most mm-hmm. And most notably with Scott McDaniel, where... With during the fall of Grace storyline, where you introduced the black of the black armor, and now you're doing a little limited series be called Daredevil Black Armor. Yes, they went with the simplest title. I gave them 15 different options, and uh, they picked Black Armor. So yes. <laughs> let's make no mistake: what this is about. Your other things are way too obscure and too <laughs> fanciful. We want people to know what this story is about, as if the Mark Bagley covers would not um, tell it. But, yeah, that's, um, that's yes, like I, uh, I, I, Jim DeMattis did a Ben Riley series last year, and it would be like if Marvel called it Spider-Man hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, a little bit. Um, but people seem to like that title. So as I say, if sales is going to sell it with that title, I love that title. I love it so much. Um, yeah, last place I... Uh, I ever expected to be. <laughs> you could have you could have handed me like 10 bingo cards and and this would not be anything I would have written down on on any of them. Well, we'll we'll jump back and talk about the entire run because I do want to I do want to talk about where the black armor came from. Obviously it was part yeah. of the Zeitgeist at the time. Um so so how that original story happened. But with this story, did they reach out to you or you reached out to them? Um no, they reached out to me. I I had not um you know, my involvement with comics has not been anywhere, right? You know, and and so right after uh, COVID started to kind of open up again, um, Mitch Halleck, who runs a, a very nice convention called Terrificon in Connecticut, 
uh, invited me to to be a guest at the convention, sort of semi-local to me, an hour and a half, two hours away. And um, and I said, sure, I got nothing, right? I'm, I'm you know, uh, I'll make a banner at one of those banner places and I'll show up and they'll give me some table space. And it was, um, it, you know, I remember being like, halfway on the drive saying, what am I doing? I'll, I'll, you know, I got nothing to talk about. I may as well turn around and go back home. But I went, had a very nice time. It was nice meeting people, even while we were still, should we be meeting anybody? Are we all going to disease each other up? But it was nice to kind of actually meet with folks and see some old comic folks as well, but really connect with fans at a different level that I hadn't really connected with in forever. And then the following year I went back, um, which would have been not this last summer, but the summer before, and I'm doing it again. It's a little more open up. I'm a little more comfortable with myself. People are coming up and this really nice guy comes up and he's like, you know, Hey DG, you know, um, you know, really liked your run, you know, your work, uh, you know, I'm CB Sabolski, And I'm like, you know, my brain is really slow moving and it's a 30 second gap, you know, before it's like, CB Sabol, oh CB Sabolski, <laughs> you know, editor in chief of Marvel comics. And, uh, he's, very pleasant, very complimentary. And I, I jokingly said, um, hey, you know, I've been meaning to call you about those pitches I've been working on. And he just then said, well, as a matter of fact, and use that as a, as a segue, not to step away from the weird guy, but to say that they had been doing these nostalgia books, as he called them, you know, bringing in creators or parts of creative teams uh, like Mark DeMattis, uh, Peter David, uh, uh, Howard Mackey had done a Ghostwriter one, you know, recently. And they've been uh, successful in different ways. So he said, would you be interested? And um, I said, my mama didn't raise no fools. Let's let's talk. And uh, and I really wasn't sure. You know, he was really nice, but who knows? You know, he gave me his email. He actually gave me both his emails, um, which I was. And I remember saying to my kid, you know, I called him on the way out and I said, you know, I might be back in the hell's kitchen business. I don't, I don't <laughs> but let's not hold our breath. And um, which is hilarious because because uh, when we were at Ogilvy, that wasn't Hell's Kitchen, so you, it wasn't exactly. as long a, a break. I remember when uh, going to Worldwide Plaza and Hell's Kitchen, I was like, this doesn't look at all like Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, at the end, at the end of um, you know my run, uh, you know my run with Lee Weeks, I had put uh, I had put the law offices of Nelson Murdoch in Worldwide Plaza. So. Oh, wow. um, um, but anyway, so I didn't hear back from him immediately because he was on a convention circuit. So I was like, not really holding my breath. And then he got right back to me when he got back, said, so sorry. I I've already reached out to Devin Lewis, who is the editor of Daredevil among other things. And, uh, he's got some ideas. So why don't you guys talk? And I got in with Devin. So I figured, okay, this is about Daredevil. But the last thing I expected was them to say, we want you to do something with, with the black armor because um, the amount of shit I had taken for that costume uh, back when we introduced it was uh, pretty high. And, uh, uh, but, but that was the genesis, you know, as simple as that. And then obviously some work in between to kind of, all right, now what do we do? Like, how, how does this work? But it yeah, was as uh, simple and fluid. It's funny that because uh, I would say nostalgia works in a 20 year cycle. So there's all this 90s things, but I actually, sure. before we started talking, I fished out uh, the Marvel Legends figure of the Black Armor, which was released last year and sold yes. out right away. So I feel like uh, mentioning Ben Riley, there's all these Ben Riley books, Scarlet Spider books. And, uh, and, you know, at the time they were saying the Clone Saga was tanking the character. But, you know, you wait long enough, 
and people and, miss and it. You be, you become the hero, or you become the villain. Uh, yeah. I credit that toy, uh, of which I have uh, uh, two, because I kept one in the package and broke one out for these little promotional things I'm doing now, <laughs> um, uh, uh, with helping make I think the that costume uh, even more popular because it's a great toy. It's a yeah. really great toy. Yeah, I mean Hasbro's been knocking it out of the park, but this one was actually exceptional. And it's one of those yeah. where uh, it was in a Spider-Man wave. So it was, you know, it was already yeah. a stretch. And I was like, right, oh. right, right. And personally, I was like, well, I'll get the whole wave. And then I was like, this might be the best made one in this wave. This it, is, it is a really well done piece. And so, much better than, absolutely. you know, back back in the 90s where they took just the red Daredevil and painted silver spots on it. Yes. Yeah. The, it chunky, the chunky version. And then they did yeah. in the mid 2000s, which was weird and janky and lanky. And yeah. Uh, so they're uh, they're they're a weird combo. Yeah, so it seems like interest has been bubbling uh, for this version of data, and I and I think it's smart too because that also sets it in a certain time and place. And as you said, if these are nostalgia books, it's mm -hmm. a perfect visual to go. Well, this is from the mid to to late nineties, right? It's not you know thirty years ago nineties. It's Marvel five years ago 90s four years right, ago yeah. 90s you know that's something i discussed with devin i said you know what's the we're going for a heavy 90s vibe and i think we've nailed that in tone and look and netho diaz who's the artist you know is bringing extraordinary attitude to this um uh, but you know i said well what is it like where what's the real timeline you know where are we with this and he said eh, it's like about four or five years ago so you know you can use cell phones if that fits in the story but we're not literally going back to the 90s but there's visual cues uh you know there's some uh um outfits people wear and i would say certainly again the attitude um is very uh 90s uh action swagger that type of thing which fits uh the whole tone and the and certainly the outfit everyone's got flip phones right you've got to have flip phones yeah no i think i got one like you know Android-ish phone in there, you know. It's a, uh, it's a. Uh, I just I played fast and loose with the rules. I didn't, I didn't lean heavily into everybody being on a phone and then getting around the whole story points that way or no signal or, <laughs> yeah, you know hey, something. But flip phones are coming back though too. You ever see that? They're, they're oh yeah, oh yeah. Everyone's got their little foldable like yeah. now is the yeah VHS tapes are coming back too. It doesn't mean that's going to be the wave of the future. I know. I think I still have my laser disc player somewhere, you know, <laughs> waiting for uh, something to something to do with that. So, in writing this, are you avoiding topical references, just just to not Top, land topical on references defense? of yeah. of the '90s per se? You know, well, any pop culture per, references, like, do you not want you to know what's um, going on now, and you don't want to mention what's going on then, so it sits in between? Yeah, I I dropped one that was like semi current, um, but probably current about five years ago. You know, I dropped one that sort of just came up. Uh, there was a saber tooth uh, line. Um, that's not a spoiler. I think people have seen the Bagley cover. You know, saber tooth is 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 in this, which is a new kind of confrontation for Daredevil. That's that's fun, um, and part of the joy of this, which was unexpected, because I went through many iterations of plot breakdowns and plots and. Um, to kind of arrive at where we are and my assumption was i would end up writing this as a full script because that's what most things are done these days and um and then i had done the last iteration that they'd asked me to do we had to change the page count at one point and i'm waiting for the okay on that to um 
you know, okay, now I'll go and do the full script, I guess. But all of a sudden, like the pages start showing up. <laughs> so they just sent it to Netho and Netho just like supercharged his way into this. And so I got the first exposure by opening this email and suddenly seeing these pages. But the fun of it has also been to do it that plot script way, which I always really enjoyed. I always loved, as long as you're working with a good artist, um, you know, turning in a, a plot, knowing where the story is basically going to go, but then getting that big surprise of an artist coming back with, you know, wild new interpretations of it, cool interpretations of it. So things like... Um, that scene I'm talking about, uh, you know, Netho had done some fun stuff with this attitude uh, between uh, Daredevil and Sabretooth, and it just inspired this little pop culture reference, which certainly wouldn't have fit, well, maybe it would have fit 30 years ago, but, but, it, but it certainly fits within that four to five year window. And I just dropped it in, but I'm not, I'm not doing heavy historical, uh, you know, things or trying to lean too heavily on that. I'm actually policing myself really well, I think. I used to overindulge and in jokes a lot and I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job so far <laughs> but i got one issue you know left yeah. so we'll see now when you were doing the book in the 90s marvel method was more in vogue uh were you doing full scripts on the original run or was it all plot scripts no i was i when when i worked with marvel um i i always worked plot script i mean you know i'd, I'd ask the artist i'd talk to the artist you know what do you prefer i, I always wanted to kind of go in a direction that would make somebody comfortable, but that was still very much a, um, a, a standard practice, you know, for a lot of approaches. And again, I liked it. I liked the surprise. My, my plots are pretty tight. Maybe, maybe they're overwritten even, but I always kind of was able to pace it out in my head and say almost every paragraph or a couple of lines is actually a frame. You know, it's a panel, even though I don't label it as a panel. And I'll put a lot of dialogue in as I'm writing it to, you know, say Kingpin says this or Daredevil says something like this or here's a quip or whatever. So there's a lot of pieces in there. Um, but I always find when you get back the artwork after that, it it if it's good and this is really, really good, um, it takes you in a enhanced direction. At least it does me. And I enjoy that extra level of energy to kind of deliver on something. There's one sequence, um, uh, spoiler alert, uh, uh, Matt suffers. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I know really, right. Really, really pushing the limits. Um, and, um, and I had written in the plot, what I thought was, um, the perfect dialogue, you know, I had it kind of mapped out and it was, it was, it was decent dialogue. Um, but whatever Netho had done uh, just took me in this kind of like slightly different direction. And it's so much better now for the beats. I feel that it kind of inspired as I looked at it and then something occurred to me and then, it, and it would have been lost if it was a full script, you know, mm -hmm. if I had written it out and then just turned it over and said, Oh, I'll see it when it's in proofreading or I'll see it when it's, when it's printed. Um, that would have, that would have been lost and i'm so glad that that opportunity was there to to find that that beat i think it's page 17 issue three i don't know but <laughs> not that i'm counting <laughs> so, yeah so uh yeah it's it's i was surprised you know this is going back i think to the joe casada run when they started to move towards full script because it was that mm. collaboration 
that I thought made Marvel that put Marvel ahead of the other companies like DC. And I always go back to that that thought that you know if had Stanley written full script, there'd be no Silver Surfer because uh well yeah i mean and he was doing so much and that was part yeah. of the, the process right yeah that's how it was created just to give him enough time to do almost everything yeah yeah and and i've seen bad plot script arrangements uh you know i've seen i've seen writers who write page one to 14 they fight pay me you know, yeah. and then it's all to the artist to kind of do the heavy lifting. And some artists love that too. Some artists love the freedom of like, great, I get to map out a 14 page fight sequence and you don't really care what it, you know, what it says. And then, um, but to me, I had to see it in my head and know how it kind of paced out. And, and I think that would be unfair to an artist to kind of leave them shouldering all that. Right. Um, so story-wise with Black Armor, um, since you mm -hmm. did do the run for a long time and you're going back to a moment in time that you used to, to run it, it, was this coming up with a was this coming up with a new complete story? Or were there plot threads in the original run at the time that you're thinking, well, this could lead to here or or this is the tone that's going to inform <laughs> the the plot? Right, right. No, no, smart questions. Um well, once I got past my laughter, you know, like, you know, <laughs> black armor, what are you kidding me? <laughs> um, um, and then I bought into it and said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm game. Um, the thing was, while I had a, uh, diplomatically an inelegant end to my daredevil run, you know, I was taken off the book and kind of forced off the book. Um, I, I never look back, you know, it's not like I've been sitting around for the past 20 years saying, I finally had one more chance at daredevil you know i've got one untold daredevil story you know or this kind of thing you know in, in my mind and they should let me back in there i had been in the process of setting up a bunch of stuff right we had just we had just murdered matt murdoch we had faked his death he was adopting this jack batlin con man persona that was his his uh representation on the streets um uh and I was going to use this persona and various things to challenge his view of himself. Like how important is Matt Murdock, the lawyer, how important is Daredevil, the vigilante ultimately to kind of get back to, um, you know, some revelation, say at issue three fifty, maybe, you know, everything comes back together at three seventy five, whatever. Um, but, and, you know, he had new characters, he had new supporting characters. He had new people he met on the street when he was living in alphabet city um, but I hadn't really thought about any of them. Uh, but on the other hand, once I sort of said, yes, we're doing this um, in this way, I realized I had written myself into a corner. I couldn't ignore all this stuff because what Marvel had done as well was destroy the costume immediately after my run. Right. They did this ridiculous Warren Ellis issue where you know, they literally tear the costume apart and destroy it and stuff. So the window of time for the costume to exist in this nostalgia run is here, right? Whatever this is, somewhere between fall, you know, fall from grace and wages of sin. There's this window of time. Um, but I fell into it really uh, naturally. And it wasn't, it was, I just started to look at it as there were a lot of adventures that he went on in this window of time. And we just didn't tell him yet. So mm -hmm. Devin Lewis, who's the editor, uh, you, you know, he was super encouraging about, um, 
throw villains at him he hasn't faced before. You know, uh, play with this, uh, go here, pull in other Marvel characters. You know, he just had all these broad, loose, encouraging uh, suggestions, which took me in some just surprising ways to have fun with it. And then as I started to have fun with it, then I also started to explore some themes that I think make it even a little bit better. Some themes of identity or some themes of, um, I don't know, the little guy versus the big guy and, and, and oppression and those type of things, which have made it a meatier story in some ways than I probably even anticipated going, going into it. Uh, so I've, but I've had to address all those things. Like now he has a supporting cast of a couple, three people that were mentioned back in those days. And I took one of them and I made that one, uh, more prominent. You know, she became, a, a more important character and then I introduced some new characters. Uh, you know, he sort of acknowledges some parts of his old life, but I have to focus on some new folks that he's got to deal with, uh, which become good, good foils for the story. So it, it's been a great reintroduction to that world. Um, just because I'm writing it without, um, tripping over myself. I'm just acting like, Oh, I'm just telling my daredevil story. <laughs> now, do you find you approach Matt in the same way that you did in the nineties? I mean, cause daredevil's a character with, um, the Frank Miller shadow looms large and people, you know, as you said, Matt suffers. Really? There's a, You've heard that. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that, <laughs> but you can tell me if I, if I'm making it up because you're closer to daredevil than me, <laughs> but, but there's also, you know, the, the Stanley run was completely different. The Mark Wade one was different. He's one of those characters who's a little more malleable in personality, almost to the point of Batman, depending on the era. Did you feel like, uh, well, this, well, I have a certain, Matt Murdock, and this is who I'm writing in this. And then to that end, I mean, we're talking decades have gone by. Are you thinking of the character differently because you're a different writer than you were? Like, does is Matt mm -hmm. is Matt a pair of old shoes that you slip into, or is it? Are you coming to it in a different way? That's so much packed into those couple of questions. Yeah, it was like four really questions. Good. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, let me make a, let me make a presentation deck, uh, John, and get back to you on that. Um, the good thing is, I don't have to answer the, any say anything else for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> exactly, you're you're cool. I I think, um, yeah, Frank Miller's shadow looms large and and should you know contributed an enormous amount to the character. But I think Daredevil brings out the best in a lot of creators, you know, who have a chance to work on him, and um, you know, I think. Uh, folks for the most part take him seriously and that doesn't mean it always has to be a serious story but they put a lot of themselves into it you know and they they take it in very unique directions and Ascenti, mark wade uh, uh brian bendis uh you know uh, um uh Zdarsky, you know uh, you know as i became familiar with his work uh more recently um i think everybody really brings their a-game to the character and and that's my biggest take on it is to bring my a game on it uh to the character again with a better a game i think i was okay then and i think i had moments of sort of mad brilliance or tripped into really good moments while i was trying to figure out who i am and what i want to do as a writer i'm 25 years later having worked in an extraordinarily intensive industry at 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 under a lot of pressure to tell stories 
almost every day, um, not comic book stories, but stories nonetheless. And I survived it for the most part. <laughs> and I think I'm a much, much, much better writer than I was then and a much more confident, comfortable writer than I was then. So that's what I come back to with it. And when I came back to him and I found that, and I didn't have any sort of like, oh shit, can I write Daredevil still? Like, you know, um, uh, but I did have a lunch with uh, Fabian Nicieza at one point and he wasn't giving me, you know, I wasn't saying, what would I do? What do I do? But as we were talking about this a little bit and he just said something which really stuck in my head. And he said, just keep, just write it like you never stop writing it. And, you know, just and I found that a very just great piece of advice that was sort of offered offhandedly. And it allowed me to slip into the things that I really enjoy about the character, which is in addition to that friction, right? The lawyer, the vigilante, that sort of thing um, is the redeemer. And I've always looked at it and I think I brought that out. Maybe I think everybody does certainly to some extent, but sometimes people go really dark with him or really you know but i always felt he was there to redeem other people like the whole feeling of salvation for me with daredevil is maybe he's never going to be saved perfectly but he's there to save others you know there's a little bit of that dark angel of redemption if you will you know and um and that's what i enjoyed kind of coming back to was finding that moments of fierce energy and again much much credit all credit to Netho. I mean, it's just when I, it's so charged up to sort of see the visual stylings of this uh, and the storytelling as well. Um, but it kind of got me in that whole vibe of, all right, here's a one-liner. Here's a, <laughs> here's some New York snark. Here's, you know, here's the moments that just feel right and right on. Maybe, maybe too much. Maybe everybody just talks too clever, but, <laughs> but there's just a great, for me, and, you know, John, if we had talked more about this back in the day, I mean, I was the, the I didn't read my stuff for years because I thought it, it, it was horrible, you know, and I wouldn't go back and read it. I'm really excited about this book. I'm really excited to see what people think of it. Um, and, and maybe that's, maybe that no one's going to like it, <laughs> but I, I think it has that energy um, that I, that, uh, that I'm, that I intended for it. I guess is what I'm saying. And, uh, and that's what I feel like I brought back to the, to the book. Yeah. Oh, Dan, I was going to ask, I mean, outside of the creative process going between, um, you know, full script or plot the script and such, is there anything else in the, in the collaborative engine, so to speak, between you and Marvel, between the, the difference between now and then, because I'm sure, you know, the folks at Marvel are, Kind of accustomed to a different process you know but there i don't know how many of my, if you dealing with a lot of new folks on the block with all the turnover they've had there and all that oh yeah i mean i know a couple people who are there but i'm not dealing with them you know i know tom brevoort you know from mm -hmm. working with him back in the day but he's not part of this i mean i'm sure he's reviewed the issue as part of his executive editor uh you know role uh, if they do that but um the folks I've dealt with, which is Devin and Tom, you know, from the Daredevil office and then CB are, have all been new. Um, so there's no point of reference at all. Um, there's a little bit more um, gaps in 
communication uh, than I was used to uh, when I was working with um, the people I knew really well, or when I was a staff editor. Uh, I, you know, there's sometimes there's been you know, several weeks or something where things go by and I, I haven't heard back on certain things. So, um, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's okay <laughs> and I'm moving forward. Uh, and that seems to have been the case. So I assume they would have, um, you know, shut me down if, if it wasn't, uh, they seem happy with it. Uh, and, and as I've said, the, the interactions that we've had that I felt that were the most important um, when we initially talked about it and there was that kind of encouragement to no, go wide or I went wide and I, I kind of, um, you know, I had this great day in that summer, you know, after I had met CB and, and they said, you know, like, we're, we're thinking of doing this and start thinking about it. Let's talk some more where I sketched out, I would say a good 65% of this storyline in one day. Um, because it just started to kind of come like the main beats, not, not all the details, but the main beats. And, but then I took that back to them and they were like, yeah, this, this is good, but do this and bring it back here and introduce the, you know, the point, the story notes were really good. They were, they were helpful. And then as we hit a couple of roadblocks along the way, uh, there was a, there was a important character that at one point we thought we were going to be able to borrow from another audience. And we went pretty far down the road on, on that character. Uh, and then the other audience, um, uh, I say audience, I meant office. Um, uh, this is decaffeinated comics over here. Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, the other office said no hands off. So we had to retool that, but that was a good conversation. You know, I had a good conversation with Devin and, he, you know, he was very apologetic and sorry the situation worked out and want to know how much I wanted to press it. He didn't really think we were going to win if we did press it, but he was willing mm -hmm. to do it. You know, it wasn't just a sucks to be you um, or, you know, we tried to work it through where there was another point in time where it was originally going to be five issues. Um, and in fact, I'd written it as five issues. <laughs> so, um, but then sales and, you know, promotion, whatever, decided four issues makes more sense but that's a big retooling that's not like pull yeah. the scene out or pull a page out you're you're refiguring all the beats and all the cliffhangers and you know blah 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 but it was again a positive exchange there where they offered to kind of pick up some of the heavy lifting of redlining certain things or making bold suggestions about well if you take this and you move it here how does that work so they they gave me back some good initial points of view which helped me uh know where to go right without it just having to stare at the screen and say how do you get how do you <laughs> how do you do that so that's the difference you know the difference was i was so i was so tightly knit with everybody until the crash of 96 97 that um those are people i'd come up through the ranks with or they you know i'd known some of them since they were interns or assistants and such so there was a lot of easy um, whatever you want to say, communication, repartee and stuff. So this is working with new folks. Uh, and, um, but that's a good thing to do. And that's part of the experience of the last 20 years and working again in advertising is you work with new folks all the time. So you just, you, that's good, good life skills to learn, good professional skills. If I may ask, and this might be a delicate question and feel free. Please. To 
Yeah, but because um, the reality is now, you know, when you're working for Marvel in the past, it was you're feeding the publishing wing. But these days, when you're a cr when you're creative, you're you're producing content that can possibly go on to other levels. I mean, it can end up being used sure. in a movie. It could end up being used in a in a Disney a show on D Disney Plus. And well, at this point, anything could be used in the Daredevil Disney Plus show. Yeah, because <laughs> right. that's gone back to formula. I I expect Loki to open a drawer and there'll be a copy of Daredevil Black Armor in it. You know, in the season finale. You know. Yeah, that's good because if you're watching Loki Loki season two, he's now Doctor Who. So I've kind of yeah. Just he's certainly thing. he's certainly not the god of mischief from what I've seen so <laughs> no. far. But, uh, but what, uh, what's your you were getting to your indelicate point. So, but so while it's really nice to see your name in that credit at the end, saying you know special thanks to, to all sure. the creators of Daredevil, is any consideration given? Like, do they say okay, you know you're going to write this for us, and if it ends up being used for Disney Plus or a movie or whatever, you're going to be you know recompensated for that, or is it still just work for hire and live with it? Um, it was always work for hire, live with it, right? And I I made that contract with myself. And with them back in the day um i was i was very mindful of what i was doing even though i was relatively young um i i think that's kind of that's kind of the faustian deal you make a little bit it, would we be having this conversation if i had you know done the adventures of red pajama guy and, and fat man no right I, I played with kingpin and daredevil mm -hmm. and i knew that by playing with kingpin and daredevil i would I would be playing at a at a higher level, right? You know, and and that would get me attention, and maybe something else, and maybe something else, or or maybe nothing, whatever. So, um, I always felt like I was very cognizant of what the contracts said and what they allowed for. Um, and if I had more, and, and you know, people who have more pull, I'm sure can get a better deal. And, and they should, if they can, you know, you want, you, I'm, you know, writer X and I've done a bunch of big titles and I'm a big draw in the comic industry right now. And you want me to work on your book. I want better compensation or I want a side contract or I want an addendum or um, if you can get that, you, you, go for it. And, and I, and I believe there are writers like that. I believe there are deals like that, that are in place. Um, in my instance, I feel I was treated, I've been treated fairly and, and uh, professionally. And, and so I am again, well aware that I'm playing with their toys in their sandbox and bringing my skill set to it. And that, that's a, that's a good, that's a good trade-off for me. You know, it, it would be, um, if they ended up using some part of the story, or if just the black armor became more in vogue and showed up somewhere else, not just as like the DLC on a video game, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Or Charlie Cox um, puts it on, you know, and it's yeah, funny if Charlie Cox put, puts it on. Yeah. I was say more kids know the black armor probably from the video game than anything else these days, you know? It's like, yeah. Right. Poof. Right. Yeah. So right. Poof. Like here's, I want that costume. Um, yeah, if Charlie Cox decides to put it on, um, listen, my kid would squee, I would squee, you know, it'd be like a, a nice day. And, and uh, um, 
you know, if they were outright to adopt this storyline for something, right, take the whole storyline, not just the visual elements and, you know, the attitude and that kind of thing, um, you, you know, maybe I could do a, a low level, you know, Jim Starlin and, you know, stamp my feet a little bit and, and, and get it. And, you know, Jim Starlin was well within his rights, you know, to stamp his feet and he got whatever he got, he deserved plus, um, but no, I, 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 it's work for hire. I've always known it's work for hire. And, and there are people who always acted a little bit uh, twitchy about that, I think. And other people who had the same attitude that I have. So I don't think it's an indelicate question at all. And I just look at it as this is the, this is the contract you make with yourself and with them. Right. And, but building on Elliot's question about how it is a different landscape. Yeah than it was in the 90s i mean you had when sure when you were working on daredevil in the 90s it was mainly you you needed to worry about what the other offices were doing you know um you know if something got shot down it was usually a continuity uh issue you know we're going to use this character right. here or we're going to kill this character off or we're planning right. this uh whereas now you're kind of in a bubble but as you said there were some characters you couldn't use is Marvel being part of a much bigger landscape, does that change the process at all? Are you still able to just go, I'm going to do this Daredevil or is, are there other ramifications outside of publishing that are creating parameters for you to write? It, it may be for other people, for, for me in this instance, you know, working on this mini series and the limited way that I'm doing, I've had nothing except a, a positive experience, which, which doesn't mean that there aren't, storm clouds elsewhere or that tomorrow they're going to call me and say hey guess what um we're not jinxing this conversation guys um <laughs> the um uh yeah i mean i can see that certainly mm -hmm. but um you know but like the instance i cited that was a that was an editorial office decision right that wasn't a like a it wasn't you know, a disney a disney thing. bob yeah. Iger you know, level of seismic event. There was no extinction level event coming my way because of this it was just, we thought we had the agreement and I believe we did have the agreement. They decided to do something different with the character that they felt was going to be a contradiction. We provided a couple of, um, I think valid uh, workarounds to say it wouldn't be a contradiction. They didn't want to buy it. And, you know, as I said, Devin was up for, taking it another level, but I said, well, what's the chance we're going to really prevail here? You know, or is it just going to rankle things? And, you know, should we be thinking about a solution instead of trying to dig our heels in? And I think the solution we came up with was worked out great. So I, I don't look back at it and say, oh, what if, you know, <laughs> you know, what if, you know, I've been able to do that. So yeah, that, that's a book that doesn't sell as well as Daredevil. No, <laughs> it's, it's never it's never in your benefit to say what if. Uh, I, I, again, I don't know. I, I I'm not too familiar with the the production of how things went. I'm just curious, and mm -hmm. again, maybe this is another delicate question. Um, was um, come bring it on. Uh, Scott McDaniel. Uh, was any consideration to have him work at uh, work any in in this in any way? Um, his name didn't come up in this regard. You know, I mean, it was uh, um. I, I had I had floated the idea at one point, at least of, you know, if you guys reached out to Scott for variant covers or that kind of thing. Um, and uh, but I haven't heard back uh, if that was something that they've done because there's a, a 
a metric ton that seems a variant covers on this thing. I know there's a bunch on certainly issue one, and I believe there's two or three on each subsequent issue, at least that I've seen so far. Um, if I look at how they've approached these other projects, uh, just objectively, you know, they seem to be focusing more on bringing the writers back and then teaming them up with, I'll say, more modern day artists. Not that Scott isn't a modern day artist, but, you, you know, um, say the particular, again, more aggressive, you know, fierce looks of some of these, you know, styles of some modern artists. So, uh, um, you know, Scott wasn't uh, uh, broached, you know, in that way. And, and uh, you know, they right away started to kind of float a few names. And it was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. And uh, and not that was not Netho at that point. Netho was a bit of a surprise uh, to, you know, to be introduced to. Uh, he wasn't some of the names they originally put forward. But uh, now I couldn't imagine somebody else doing it. And, and I think, you know, as much as I would have loved Scott to, to do it, um, both from a uh, a partnership role and certainly a legacy role. Uh, I think there are some commercial considerations to to maximizing something new coming out of this, right? It not just all being being um, the guys who did it then. As I said to, to Netho at one point not too long ago, I said, "You own this costume now. You know, you're like this is now yours." you know, to, to, to an extent, like you're taking it new places and you're introducing it in a lot more situational things. Uh, and by the time this is done, you're going to have done a considerable number of pages representing this thing that in the whole span of black armor, <laughs> you know, uh, costuming, um, you know, he's going to have a significant chunk. So hopefully that means more black armor business uh, overall. I, I, I've got to ask if you could share what were some of your original titles that you had pitched for this um, Remember any? Hang on, if you want to. Yeah, give me a I'm second. I'm curious um, I because mind. I mean, because I, I, I had a very similar experience when uh, Nick Barucci of Dynamite asked me to write the Army of Darkness miniseries featuring Barack Obama. This was back when you know, everyone had Obama in their comics. And I said, sure, I'll do it. And I pitched, <laughs> I said, the, I thought this is the easiest title in the world. It's called Army of the D Army of Darkness, Hail to the Chief, baby. You know, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? I thought you were going to go with Army right. of Barakness. Uh, uh, <laughs> that that would have been good. But, you know. but then I was like, I thought that's it, sold. Uh, Nick went, no, yeah. we're going to call it Army of Darkness, Ash Saves Obama. I'm like, that's really on the nose. Okay. You're the boss. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're the boss. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, um, Fall of Man was one. Uh, Inherit the Earth. Uh, Baptism of Fire, which I fast to feel has been used too many times. Uh, Be Not Afraid. Cross to Bear. Eleventh uh, Hour uh devil may care catch the devil which were a little too bit on the nose um reapers and redeemers um the place of skulls uh down below um and uh and my my personal favorite was um armor of heaven hmm. or armor of grace at one point you know uh but um 
but I'm fine. I'm really, you know, I'm not just saying that's, I'm not saying that sarcastically at all. I'm, I'm, you know, once they kind of moved on and, and, uh, and, um, you know, they dismissed these, they were like, they'll suck. You know, they, they gave them right. good consideration. We had good discussion around it, but, uh, sales had, um, you know, moved in this direction. I think they had, they had started to kind of feel that this was what it was called, even if it was a placeholder title to some extent, maybe initially. And that's how they started to kind of market it and put their weight behind it. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's on the nose. I always kind of took a little bit of pride in my titles. You know, um, I, I always got a kick out of when they came out with the big Epic collections, you know, they've been coming out with over the last few years, nine times out of 10, doesn't matter who else is in the book. Frank Miller could be in the book, you know, and Ascenti could be in the book. Um, nine times out of 10, they pull my title as the title of the collection. <laughs> so, so I had, I had a good Steven Seagal vibe going there, you know, for a while, <laughs> like, you know, um, and, um, um, so black armor felt a little on the nose to me, but, uh, I, um, probably cause it is, but on the other hand, it's, it's, it's direct. It gets us into the story and the story ultimately has to carry the, the weight of this, not the, not the title. And, and so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm much more interested in making sure that the, the story does its job than that I got a fancy literary reference or, um, <laughs> you know, whatever into, into the title. But when, well, when it's, when it's daredevil, you've got to get biblical references in there. You just got to get all the, biblical yeah, you know, and that's what I thought. I, I said, you know, Hey, that's exactly, yeah, you could tell like some of that <laughs> stuff was, you know, dead on, uh, with that. But, um, uh, again, I'm, uh, uh, you know, somebody at one point made an observation. Well, sometimes, you know, biblical titles like, you know, don't sell so well or, or, you know, scare people. And you mean like titles like fall from grace or born again, those titles like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, or last rights, which is with it, which is the title of the fall of the kingpin, you know, story. But again, you, you just, you have the discussion, you have the discussion like professionals, um, there are lots of factors in motion around it. And, uh, and I think as long as you can move on and not dig your heels in, um, you know, unnaturally so on something that, that, and probably back in the day, I probably would have gotten much more bound up around something like that, but it, it's easier to move on and again, focus on what I think is the more important aspects of it. Well, speaking of titles, the other book you're working on, is called Axis, yes. Axel's Infernal, which could have been a Ghost Rider Daredevil crossover title. Um, it could have been, your, and, you know. Yeah. But that's your new Kickstarter. It is. It is. Kickstarter in progress. Uh, today is 10 days to go. Um, so that is um, uh, probably also has a little bit of a 90s vibe, uh, but a little more of a grindhouse 90s vibe, I would say. So uh, Axel's Infernal is... The story of a woman, young woman named Percy Cross, um, literary references again, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and um, she's a morally questionable sort of character, a little bit of a sinner, but not unduly so. But she gets shanghaied into working for something called the Underworld Transportation Authority, and the Underworld Transportation Authority works for not one hell, but many hells, because there are many hells right across cultures and history. There's not just Dante's hell or, you know, the hell from South Park. 
There are hells from the Aztecs and the Egyptians and the Mesopotamians and the Vikings. Everybody's had a different hell. And these hells want to be believed in. But the only way they can be believed in, you know, to reinforce that belief, rather, uh, they have a damnation delivery service, which is essentially what the underworld transportation authority is. So they will enlist this express uh, service to bring hell to earth. Uh, and these various human drivers have to uh, do it for them. There's also an, an air service and a shipping service, but we're not paying attention to those. We're just with the truckers. And, <laughs> and so it's a real road to hell and back and then back to hell sort of story. Uh, and this is the uh, the first issue of it. Uh, so there's uh, initially a five issue series we have in mind with a bunch of other stories beyond that. So Carl Waller is my is my partner on this that we we co-created the idea and he is the the primary uh, or he is the artist Wes Wong has done uh, uh, this really kind of uh, extraordinary vibrant painterly style we got Pat Rousseau uh, Eisner nominated Pat Rousseau I should say uh, to letter it uh, Comic Craft came in and did a pretty kick-ass uh, logo um, and um, you know as with any Kickstarter there's a ton of rewards and such there's a lot of original art there's uh there's original sketches there are um mini prints there are uh stickers uh there is a variant cover of course uh <laughs> um uh and um uh, you know we're 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 pushing through you know it's my first kickstarter uh we're about a little under halfway to what we need uh to kind of cover our costs from paying the artists and paying the you know, uh, paying the colorist and paying the printing that we'd want to do and so forth. Um, so uh, uh, it, it's it been a learning process uh, with a lot of people giving good input along the way. You should have add-ons. Oh, I'll add add-ons. You should have uh, um, a two-for-one so they can get the regular cover and the variant cover without having to buy both. Okay, I'll add that. <laughs> you know? Um uh, so, uh, you know, feature this, you don't have that, that image big enough. So fortunately I've been able to kind of, uh, adopt, uh, adapt as I've gone along. Um, but, uh, you learn as you do it and you learn to kind of delete all the spam you get very quickly. Uh, <laughs> I didn't expect all the spam from doing a Kickstarter. So, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, very army of darkness, uh, from dusk till dawn, um, meets the good place sort of uh vibe to it and uh so it's a very fiendish in a lot of ways but i think it's also uh very wickedly fun it's not it's not my hellraiser run it's not dementedly uh so moist and flesh ripping although flesh may be ripped and fires will burn and those sorts of things but it's um it's uh it's something we've been working on for a long while and uh it feels great to have it all done. It's all done. I mean, if that matters to people, I think it does. You know, the art's all done. The story's all done for this issue. It's lettered. It just needs to be laid out and ready to kind of, um, uh, you know, put put into uh, the proper format for the printer. So there's not a lot of risk uh, for folks to kind of get involved that we're never going to produce it or it's going to be many, 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 many months, months later. But it is a, a process of trying to get attention pushing it, pushing friends and fans and social media to look, I'm over here. 
<laughs> Pay attention. Now, is this is the intention that this book will be a self-contained story, or are you hoping this is the beginning of an ongoing series? This first issue is is definitely a kickoff, right? The 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 it's it is Percy getting dragged into this situation essentially, uh, you know, and then the next four issues that we have plotted out as well, and Carl has started on the second issue, uh, uh, is um, that five issue run is sort of her first adventure, if you will, like you know how she gets dragged into this, how she recognizes the situation she's in how she starts to plot to maybe get herself free of it and and where she discovers what are the what are the inner workings of this hellish system um and then if we tell that five issue story then there's another storyline and then there's another storyline a lot of which we've actually worked out to ultimately get to percy kind of going in this storyline that kind of takes her from point a to b uh, it's not meant to be an endless, never-ending story, um, but it is meant to kind of be part of a bigger world that we want to we want to discover. We want other people to kind of come along with us and have some fun doing it. Um, but uh, this first issue is to get us out out the gate. I'm looking at the page down. I see, you know, the backing. This is real. I mean, it's really one of the more um, affordable of the kickstarters out there plus you you start we have some great bonuses there right in the lower levels in the your scripts there's a print and digital stickers and mini posters and they're not you're not they're not breaking you're not breaking the bank here with uh some of the things no and thank thanks elliot i was i was like i i really kind of stress tested the hell out of this you know i looked at a lot of um i talked to a lot of people you know a lot of great professionals graham nolan i'm going to call out especially has been really extraordinary just like sharing like advice and such um i was going to launch it on a sunday once he said that's the day of death he said don't launch it on a sunday. <laughs> <laughs> um but um so you, you know i looked at, at stuff and i even looked talked to somebody the other day and they were seeing the original art pieces in the, the original pages not like there's there's sketches that carl's doing i think for like I want to say 75 and but even the pages are which are full big 11 by 17 art pages you know i don't think they're outrageously priced um uh but i don't know you know i i see some things that are like funded you know through the roof but they also have 20 naked covers and we don't have 20 naked cover variants so i <laughs> i mean look I, there's a, a uh i'm looking here the original sketch and comics 75 bucks that is a great deal to get the book and that is sketch you'll pay that more is. to con that's, yeah that's that's and carl is a kick-ass artist and that's a you know that's an original piece of art that's an i believe it's an autographed comic book it's it's a it's a nice you know it's a nice package and um and it's i think um yeah, it's all sort of fun things there. If I wasn't creating it, I would back it. Let me put it that way. What better, you know, I would be a backer on this. But uh, and I see well, that for everyone that's not backing it. How do they back it? If you go to that little thing below my name, bitly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Axel's Infernal, that will take you right to the Kickstarter page. And um, so that's A-X-L-E-S-I-N-F-E-R-N-A-L. Um, 
and that takes you right to the Kickstarter page, and you can go from everywhere from just a uh, you know PDF electronic copy of it when when it's ready to go to the print copy to the variant cover copy to as Elliot was saying, you know original arts in the in the comic. Um, if you're a retailer and you're listening, there's a special retailer package for ten copies at something of a discount. Uh, so uh, we got something for everybody, kids, and. Uh, and Producer credits, be a producer in it. The only thing we didn't get in it was, uh, uh, you know, I thought there could be a be a victim, you know, have Carl get you driven under the wheels of the truck or something. But uh, he doesn't like doing likenesses, so uh, I wasn't able. Oh, to kind see, of... you would have had me there. I would have been like, I want to be. See, I, I, that's what I said. Maybe I'll. The car could have run over somebody's too. face with a name tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, but that's the thing. You can't force artists to do what they don't. Um, what they're not into. I learned that lesson. Like, don't do a Western for the person who hates drawing horses. You know, you're not going to go anywhere good. I got, I got Ariel Padilla to kill me in an in an Army of Darkness comic. So yeah, see, see. Uh, we had Todd Allen on um, on the last show to talk about his own marketing, the marketing for his Kickstarter, which he he got. He met his you know funding goal, and then he was just trying to go beyond that. But talk mm -hmm. about how really. Social media right now doesn't seem to give the bang for the buck that it used to. Are you are you running into any issues with social media getting the signal out there and getting engagement, getting response? Yeah, I th I think so. I mean, I I you know I'm not trying to kind of um, you know I feel like I all I need is a thousand people who know who I am which I think there probably are a thousand people who know <laughs> and like my work. I need those thousand people. Right. Um, but social media, you know, I know this from working in, in advertising, like you, you think I've got 500 followers or whatever. So therefore 500 people must be seeing my stuff. That's, that's 3% if I'm lucky of those people who see my stuff every given day. So I quickly got out of the way. I mean, I'm posting like, I want to say 15, 20, you know, posts a day of like all original graphics and videos and Carl is doing, you know, either picking up on what I'm doing or doing his own things. Um, so the push is, is out there, but I just had somebody today who, who I consider a, a, uh, online, you know, friend who just said, Oh, Hey, I wish I knew about this sooner. So, you know, he was just exposed to it. And so the algorithm, you know how it goes out there who knows and of course i did the reaching out to everybody i know and saying please would you would you push this some people go out of their way some people act like you you know you've got <laughs> leprosy and you know they, they they hide um and and that's it that's that's their that's their choice i'm not gonna you can't force something so i don't know that social um is it social is never going to be an immediate thing i think there's also maybe something to platforms too I mean, Kickstarter obviously is a big, mm -hmm. big beast and a good thing that everybody knows, but certainly there's a ton of comics things on Kickstarter, right? So there are and a ton of genre things. Fewer and what's that? A ton of genre things. I mean, and, and a ton of genre things. Right. Bill Hodgson raised three million for Mystery Science Theater, and now he's doing it again for a new season. Yeah, so it's a sustainable. There's, there's um, there's fewer um, not fewer, but you know, there's different um category of books on indiegogo there's this new platform uh richard pace is on with this uh um 
uh, coven uh, book that he's doing, uh, which I think is Zoop. Uh, you, you know, so there might be some value in being a bigger fish in a smaller pond, you know, that might've been a different way to think about it, you know, um, but uh, you, you don't know, you know, you don't know where the algorithm takes you until you try it out and you learn. Yeah. Well, Dan, I'm sorry, uh, before we move on to the next thing, I just need you to know, yeah. I, I just posted your Kickstarter on my Facebook page and to help the Thank algorithm you. here, um, I just need you to go to my page and like it because it's titled, I put, my good personal friend. Please. <laughs> yes. As yes. A kick Kickstarter going with some great extras. Check it out. I just need you to go to my pop my page, endorse it, say thumbs up or something. And then that way I can. Is that on Facebook? I will definitely do Facebook. that. You know. Yeah. So I yeah. will get. And that's exactly what needs to happen. You know, I mean, I, I reached out to a bunch of folks who I, um, you know, a professional group that I'm part of. And, uh, you know, I just said to them and I even wrote it for them, you know, because they weren't like typical comics people. I said, like, this is not your normal world. Right. But here's the blurb. Here's a piece of original art I made just for you guys, you know, to make it easy. And um, a couple of them went right in, did did really terrific stuff. But, you know, there's one guy who's sort of like a little, you know, well, just just kind of uh, tag me in your post and I'll. <laughs> I'll like that. And it's like, you know, what you just did, Elliot, is very meaningful to me because it's that it's that extra step of you doing it on your own that says to the machine, right, you're paying a little more attention to it. And then we get that that loop. So I I very much thank you and, and respect you for doing that. And we'll absolutely, you know, take care of that. But um, and we've been posting it on the Caffeinated Comics page. So if you're following the Facebook page. For caffeinated comics, you'll see the post and it'll take you directly there. Uh, also, I noticed if you go to Kickstarter and just put in Axel's Infernal in the search, you'll go right there. Yeah, yeah, it'll pop it right up. It'll pop. I mean, they gave us a project we love label, you know, right the first day, second day. You know, it's like that's their little undefined, you know, projects that seem like they have cool stuff going on or creatively interesting and and well put together. So I had hoped that would give us a little bit more of a boost, and I changed a lot of the the post to reflect that with tags and hashtags and things, but um, it, there's that indeterminate sort of thing that uh, is just, it's, in, it's indefinable. I don't really know what to do. I mean, we haven't done any paid advertising. I haven't gone down that road. I, I don't know that that's a sinkhole. I want to. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the reality is, is that then you're just feeding click farms, those ads. Yeah. They, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are they reaching yeah, anybody? Right. Yeah. Right, well, right. people well, resent you for them too. Like, ah, why is this ad showing up here? I don't want that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're, we're posting it. There are still 10 days to go. Uh, yes. There, yes. There are 10 days to go. This is now the Halloween episode, and the Axles Inferno is a little scary. So, there, there's your Halloween theme. Exactly. Episode. It is. It is a big Halloween theme. And, you know, Halloween was a big thing in my family. And, um, Certainly, this uh, this charges up my Halloween spirit. So, uh, yeah. Well, Dan, uh, no, I, I'm. Dan, we definitely want people to uh, to donate and to become a patron for your Kickstarter. So we're not even going to do our own plugs. So, uh, so just please. no. Do your plugs. Come on. This no, is when you subscribe society. to the show, you follow the Facebook page. I'm done. Go to Kickstarter <laughs> and back Axel's Inferno. And Dan, it is always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, John Elliot, thank you guys for the this show. opportunity. As Elliot said, you are his personal 
personal friend. My good personal friend. Good personal friend. There was we another have good friends. You've also written the best, I say the best Batman Daredevil crossover I've ever read. Thank you. There's only three of them, but I mean, still, that's that's but like. Still, you know, there's competition. That, <laughs> I there is competition, and I thought somebody would have trumped it, but uh. Um, but it's not like saying I, you wrote the best Archie that. Punisher crossover. <laughs> there was one. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Dan. We will uh, keep we will keep posting how the Kickstarter is doing, and uh, as I said, it's not a high goal. So uh, everybody, no, kicking in ten, no. twenty bucks, we can get there. But we can get there definitely. But definitely. thanks for coming on, Guys, and thank you. And everybody else, we will talk to you next week.